Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing today. And my guest, I'm delighted to say, is April Mullen. April is the director of brand and content marketing at SparkPost. April, I'm so glad we finally get to connect and have this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And you're 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 talking from St. Louis, is that correct? Yep. I'm I'm in flyover zone. <laughs> Hardly. Talk about a historical city. Um, for orientation for starters, April, uh, if pe- if people are not in the middle of email, they may not have heard of SparkPost. And anyone who's anywhere near email goes, oh yeah, SparkPost, because it's it's this unimaginably large. Uh, <laughs> entity. Talk a bit about the company just to orient people. Yeah. So we've been around since 1999. We started as an MTA essentially, and now we've grown into deliverability analytics products. So we we plan to expand our product suite. Um, and we now consider ourselves a delivery optimization platform. Delivery optimization. So, and we work bit. with some of the world's biggest brands. We work with Zillow, Pinterest, um, a major U.S. newspaper, which I cannot name, but lots and lots of big logos. Well, and lots and lots of big email. I I was browsing the SparkPost uh, site just to update myself. And of course, it's gotten even bigger since I last looked. Is it 40% of of the email in the world goes through SparkPost? Like four four, four to five trillion, was that the number? Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) We send a <laughs> we send a lot of email. We send and, a lot and, of email. And what a lot of people don't know about us is that uh, part of the reason that volume is so high is obviously we work with some big senders, but sure. we also are we power a lot of the um, cross channel and email marketing clouds that you know and love. Um, right. Most of them work with us, and so we serve as is the infrastructure to actually deploy their their emails. Well, I, I was gonna I was gonna make a note about that because you said MTA, and my my brain hadn't interpreted that. But for for people watching who are in the middle of email marketing, or particularly they're listening, message transfer agents uh, handle the job of actually getting the message to the recipient, but that doesn't mean that the program you're using to set up an email marketing campaign is that MTA, correct? Yeah. So think of it like a car. We're, we're essentially the engine okay. um, versus some of the other technologies. They're using us as the engine, mm-hmm. but they're putting all of the beautiful features for the driver and the cup holders <laughs> and the tech in the dash and essentially are just telling us when it's time to go, when to hit the accelerator. Right. And and I'll I'll take your analogy and run with it. And 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 Ford at some point, GM at some point found that they didn't have to build a different engine for every car. It's like, oh look, same V8 and that car, that car, that car, that car. You guys are for sure the big the big V8 <laughs> of, <laughs> of of MTAs. Um tell 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 folks a little bit, tell me a little bit more about the, your role 
specifically at SparkPost because SparkPost puts out all this beautiful stuff. And I assume that you're completely responsible. I wouldn't say I'm completely responsible. There's a whole team, but I, I definitely, um, as as the leader of brand and content, I'm in charge of ensuring that we grow our brand awareness. So mm-hmm. we, we're working on that. We just developed some new messaging that's going to be coming out and we're going to be coming up with a new visual identity for the brand. So oh, really? you're going to, yeah, you're going to see some oh. exciting things. Um, I you're haven't keep, had the br- Keeping the orange, right? I don't know. We'll see. Don't know. We'll see. We're I still like working. It. We're still working through it. But I mean, orange definitely does stand out. So <laughs> there will probably be some form some of orange. orange. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just took on the brand role that um, I've been. A, I'm a subject matter expert here, so a lot of my job is yeah. to develop content and copy that will resonate with our, our end consumers and the people that we're, we're trying to attract to the business, but also yeah. our existing customers to make sure that they're getting the most out of email. Well, you've got a, you've got a very sophisticated customer base. Is that a fair statement? It is. And, and they're kind of a lot of different personas. So we have the marketing persona, the traditional, you know, email marketer, mm-hmm. um, senior level people in marketing that are, signing the vendor contracts, but maybe don't understand email. They probably oversimplify email. They think it's easier than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we have technical buyers, especially on the the sending side. Yeah. So we're, we're talking to a lot of director VPs of, of IT. And then in the mid-market, we primarily focus on enterprise, but we do still serve mid-market. So then a lot of times in the mid-market, you might even talk to a C-level person. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of complex to like, <sighs> try to figure out what the needs are for the different groups. But I feel like we're finally getting some traction. Um, I've only been in the company for but about a year and a half now, I think. Um, oh, I didn't realize it was that recent. Okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I haven't been here too long. And then my role has evolved even since I got here. Yeah. And so, you know, we're we're definitely trying to to get the the marketing engine fired, have a really solid content strategy and to also enable our sales teams with the right talk tracks for the the various people. Because I remember when I was on the buyer side, I was on the brand years ago, purchasing mm-hmm. solutions. Mm-hmm. And nothing made me cringe more than salespeople that would try to sell me solutions and oversimplify what I was buying and mm-hmm. what my job was and what my needs were. So we're definitely working on all of that. There's, gotcha. there's a lot of job security to, to, to <laughs> ensure that we're all up leveling. I, I would say that for anyone in email, really. Well, one, of, one of the things about SparkPost, SparkPost in particular, I mean, the, the MTA sector in general, but SparkPost in particular, partially because of your scale, you know, cloud computing is seems like a recent buzzword. It's not that recent, but SparkPost was a cloud entity before anyone used the word. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely had a lot of on, most of our stuff was on-premise for a long time, mm-hmm. but yeah, then we, we did move to the cloud and we brought the scale of on-premise to oh, the yeah. cloud because yeah. we found a lot of, a lot of companies were, um, you know, they didn't want to manage on-premise. They're like, I don't want to own this thing and have to update it and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so that that's where cloud really gives companies a lot of scale. And we have an interesting, um, intersection of the two, actually, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually have for our on-premise customers, they can actually scale up their volume using the cloud capabilities. So we call that hybrid. And then we bring yeah. all the data together through our analytics products. So it's not it's not like you're 
like have your reporting over here in the on-prem system and then you have your reporting in the cloud, we bring it all together. So it feels like it's all kind of one consolidated interface for the tech people. Um, And that has really um, helped a lot of companies, especially during COVID because a lot of companies were like, well, first of all, we're not on site. (laughs) You know, a lot of IT people are like, "We're, we're working from home just like everyone else. Yeah. And some verticals, their email volume went up dramatically and they needed to scale quickly and they needed to scale without actually having to go on site and put racks in their server room and be around other people. And so, you know, we found that actually this hybrid capability really helped these, these customers that were on-prem scale. It's kind of exciting. I feel like we need to be talking about that more actually. Well, I, you know, I've watched, I watched the cloud computing uh, you know the sort of generic cloud computing sector pretty careful and and Amazon then Azure and now Google have have all come out with oh here's the box you can put on site which you guys already had here's the box you can put on site that you know brings some of the capabilities and it becomes essentially a smarter connection point to the cloud and 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 you're saying the the on-prem piece of spark post became that or has become yeah. that yeah. clever clever and and some of your longest running customers, I'm guessing, uh, were were on prem folks, and now they're starting to to yep. uh, migrate more to the cloud. Um, I had the opportunity, uh, gosh, a couple of years ago, back when we went to live conferences. <laughs> 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 Remember that? Yeah. Did you miss it, by the way. Ugh, yeah, I desperately miss it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, weird. I never thought I'd say miss conferences, but I miss conferences. Um, uh, Campaign Genius, our booth was next door to the SparkPost booth at the last live EEC. So I got I got to hang out with some of your uh, colleagues and, and talk major email geek with them. And the thing that struck me is that they were explaining was was the the analytics side of SparkPost is just it's ungodly big and and almost impossible to wrap your head around. Talk about uh, talk about how smart SmartPost is. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we say we have the deepest and broadest data set of any analytics provider in the space, and so sure. we we actually have analytics that go across not just like our our actual sending infrastructure has really deep analytics. It was built that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, we probably have more data than our customers even use. Uh, we have something like 40 plus different types of data points that that customers can pull in in real time. Wow. Um, via webhooks so they can like actually, you know, get a read really, really quickly. Um, but through some of our analytics products, um, we have, you know, like we have our panel data, which we've done a lot of investigating. I know there have been some... Uh, negative talk about panels that the data is not really accurate, but we actually Mm. looked into it and we compared it with some data that we have from one of the ISPs. Mm -hmm. It's actually scarily accurate. um, Expand for me. Panel is what? Consumer panel. So people who opt in to allow for their emails to be monitored. um, And we anonymize their identities. We don't, you know, if there's any personalization of the email, you'll see on the creative and the reports that it's fuzzed out. Yeah. But it's scarily accurate. So we see real consumer data. We also have some artificial intelligence that looks at um, modeling what potentially could happen with your send before you send it. Um, we have the the deepest set of spam trap monitoring. So it goes on and on and on. We have something like 
eight to 10 different types of data. We we're kind of arguing internally if it's eight or 10, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's a, it's a really deep data set that will tell you a level of detail on what happens to your emails after you hit send mm-hmm. that you just won't find that depth anywhere else. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. The panels, that's interesting. I didn't realize mm-hmm. you did that. I mean, so this is, this is for email. What, uh, you know, what a Nielsen household, Nielsen household exactly. for TV in, in their day. And you said, you said you've looked into it and it's actually quite accurate. It's quite accurate. Yep. Fascinating. Um, you know, we, we all, we all get emails. So we're all experts on email, right? Ha <laughs> ha. But, <laughs> but that's extraordinary for a large, a particularly large company to be able to characterize what might happen before they hit a, a, a billion <laughs> sends. Yeah. Expensive hobby that. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Now, SparkPost technologically sits at least in part on top of AWS as well. See, I, I was next to your booth. Yeah. 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 Yes. So there's clouds on clouds. There's clouds on clouds. Actually, um, Amazon recently did a case study on us. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it came out like two weeks ago. So. Okay. Yeah, it, it talks all about how that how that infrastructure is set up. But yeah, we we do work with AWS, uh, happy customer. Yeah, and and as I recall from the conversation, highly like highly specialized. What what mm-hmm. you guys had built on top of AWS is like couldn't probably couldn't be done any other way. Now it's it's evolved that much. Yep, exactly. So as a as a marketer, when you're working with a you know highly technical company and highly technical um, highly technical customers in at least some cases, and and you've got the technical chops yourself, you've got to be in a translation job to to a great extent to bring this into content form. Yeah, definitely. And I will say I do rely on subject matter experts. Um, George Schlossnagel, oh, yeah. our, oh, wow. you know, our, 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 one of our um, founders, founders yeah. he is brilliant. And, you know, I, he, he helps, he'll tell me the facts, like, here's how it works. Here's what it does. And, and even sometimes our, our head of engineering will jump in and, and we'll kind of wow. talk about like, how does this work? Cause I have to, my team, we have to create visuals and infographics mm-hmm. to explain how these things work. We, we mm-hmm. recently worked on a client deck and I had to work with our designer to visualize how our environment is set up. And, yeah. and I feel like the team does a really good job of like, we talk about it and then I'll say, so if I'm hearing you right, this is how this works. Well, I never thought about it that way, but yeah, yeah. that is yeah. how that works. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I have the visual for you. Okay. So the team works really well together to like, we we really hash things out and collaborate really well over here to make sure that we're explaining things in the, in the best way possible so that, you know, if you're a technical audience, you'll respect it and you'll be mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is really cool. I get what's mm-hmm. going on here. Mm-hmm. But if you're a marketing audience, you you also can understand it and not, you know, not, not that marketers are dumb. They're not, they're brilliant. But um, I actually think marketing is harder than ever, um, but it's in a way that's explainable. So you, they can put it in front of their, their C-level executive who mm-hmm. may not go into the depth of detail mm-hmm. and could explain it to them. And that's really the point. Let's come back to marketing is harder than ever in a second, but, uh, but a quick side trip, uh, uh, prior to prior to the uh, launch of Campaign Genius, I spent about seven or eight years creating explainer videos for a living. Oh 
Oh wow! I've done I've done that job that, oh, that wow. you just described of talking with the tech, you know, the highly technical or the highly strategic or whatever the subject matter was, and saying, you know, you need to explain it again because most people are not going to spend, you know, the two hours to understand this feature, and we've got to boil it down, simpl- simplify it without losing the essence of it. And that sounds like that's, yeah. the, that's the job the internal marketer gets to struggle with at a, at a company like yours. Wow. Yes. It's not yeah. easy, is it? No, it's not. I, I've actually found in writing and visuals and everything mm-hmm. that taking something complex and making it simple is one of the hardest parts it's of the not, job. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Well, and and and, and getting it getting it true, right? Getting it yeah. accurate and true enough to catch the the essence of the thing. Now, I'm curious to your reaction to this. What I found in doing that really wide range of companies was that the subject matter experts tended to be rotten at explaining their subject matter um, in in that succinct, uh, understandable to the other person form. They're like, they're, they're too deep in it. They They see all the pieces of it. They can't really step back from that very well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's why like, it's good to have a cross section of people that can collaborate on these things. And like I said, I'm really fortunate to have that here because we can, we can ensure that, you know, through our various skill sets, we're coming up with something that's accurate. It's, um, it goes deep enough, but it's also high level enough. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, to get to get to to get to the you know the 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 heart of the matter or the heart of the matter for a particular audience particularly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and you touched on you touched on visuals. Sparkpost got nice, uh, nice visual element to the brand already, at least to to my mind. But with Thank the you. the scale of data you're talking about, visualization must be key across the board. Marketing, actual product, you know, internal communication, everything. Yes. Yep. So we did on our on our cloud sending product, we actually just redesigned the UI mm-hmm. because we found that as like as it became more complex with all the data and reports and things that we were able to provide, mm-hmm. that the UI was getting more complicated. Yeah. So we now have a we have an amazing user experience team and they've taken a lot of that really complex data and they've yeah. now harnessed it into like very easy to use intuitive reports. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's visual. It's, it's actually really pretty. Um, there's a lot of white space. <laughs> yeah. It's also like modernized. I mean, yeah. that's important too. In, yeah. in technology, you have to make sure your interfaces are modernized and easy yeah. to use. And so, yeah, we've, we've definitely, um, we've definitely put a lot of effort there. Yeah. Well, and you've got you've got a background in art, so this must be particularly a resonating thing for you. Yes. Yeah, I do. I actually studied art history in undergrad. I, um, I, knew, I knew this. I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> How did you get from there to here? Oh my gosh! So, oh well, <laughs> the simple answer is I graduated with an art history degree and mm-hmm. realized, oh. Like, I don't come from a wealthy family. Like, yeah, gotta make a living. I have to make a living. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I I really like observing the world around me. And and a lot of what you do in art is just writing about what you see and what the artist was intending Mm -hmm. and context of the time that it was created. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel like I could do marketing. And this was like early in the, um, in the in the digital age where 
like no one was really learning about digital in school. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed for like a junior level coordinator role and I was supporting an analyst on email. I set up Bizarre Voice site reviews. I worked on comparison shopping feeds. I worked in um, affiliate marketing and supporting all of these various people on my team. I learned so much. And then that's when I was like, I really want to do email. And then it kind of went, went from there. No kidding. What uh, favorite art history, like period or form? (sighs) I really like 19th century French because it was just such a crazy time in Paris in particular um, with a lot. There's actually a lot of Americans that were over there um, having like this cafe culture. Um, It was a a little bit, uh, a little bit of a naughty time too. Um, A lot of partying. Um, The the Montmartre district was, you know, was just swarming with all of these amazing artists. So um, I'm a huge fan of um, Henry probably Henri Toulouse-Lautrec. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was actually not considered a fine artist nope. at the time. Street he guy, was a, kind of. He was a sign maker. He, yeah. like, companies were like, I need a sign for my um, theater, you know, my theater debut or my store. And he created all of these signs. Um, mm-hmm. But I am fascinated by his work. I, I just absolutely love it. So, um and I'm also he, a huge, he huge him, fan of he Paris. Himself, he himself was uh, dwarfish? Like he, was dwar- he was dwarfish. Um, and yeah, he was, he was a little person. And uh-huh. he had a lot of health problems. Yeah, I remember so that. So some of that came out in his work as well. Um, yeah, he's an interesting interesting character. But I and love the, that. Yeah, and the people, sorry. And his, the people in his work, in, in his, his portrait, portraiture, I don't know if it was intentionally portraiture, but... <laughs> very wide span of walks of life yeah 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 wow. oh interesting interesting one to focus on yeah you're not not in the not in the fine art pantheon at least not at the time right yep exactly and strong that's narrative what I love. Sense. yeah strong narrative sense and very much tied to the culture of the time mm-hmm. so you know you walk around the Montmartre part of paris um it can almost feel the energy of that time, mm. even today. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's fabulous. It's fascinating. <laughs> and then you get to bring that back to bear on what, you know, things that would be unimaginable for then. And, and, and we, you know, we do it all the time. Oh, I can send a message across the planet. Send, right? Down. Right, exactly. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice. Ba- I, I, I like, I like that. And, and I think, the way you articulated it, right? The, 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 just observe and understand, you know, context and the times in the culture is a great background for, for marketing and then uh, actual business MBA time as well. Yeah. So then I went on to get my MBA. Um, I didn't really have to, but I, I really wanted that business acumen and mm-hmm. I wanted to, so I, you know, took accounting and finance and funny thing. I took all of my accounting and finance courses first because those were the things I was most concerned about. <laughs> and I said, if I can't finish accounting and finance, yeah. Yeah. then like, I'm not going to sink all this money into like right. the whole program. Yeah. But I, I did well in both uh, finance, no not surprise. as well as accounting, but accounting, yeah. I got all A's. Um, which I was, I was, I surprised myself, but I had to work very hard at it. Yeah. And 
And then I was able to go on and, and finish the program. And I was glad to ha- have that background. Nice. Um, nice. My, uh, my, my, my wife got an, got an MBA. In fact, we met and hadn't, weren't married at the time. She went off and didn't, did an MBA. So I got to, I got to sort of hear what that was like. Oh yeah. Yeah. You work, work, you work your tail off on those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're right. The, the financing accounting for her, that was the, uh, I think that not her favorite part as well. She liked the operations stuff for some reason. She's like, God, yeah. that's fascinating. It's like big operations big, big, big was great. Work. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And I actually like statistics as well. I learned, um, because it now, makes what sense. What you're doing. Yeah. Big yeah. data statistics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes sense of the world, right? In a different way. Now, yeah. Have you stayed career-wise in 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 the Midwest? You call it flyover. I love the Midwest, but have you stayed in the, have stayed in the Midwest uh, like for a long span now? Yeah. So I'm from here, okay. um, and in my 20s, I met you know as a lot of Midwesterners do. You meet the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with yeah. in your 20s. We yeah. marry young here. Yeah. So I, I married an amazing guy here in St. Louis, and. Um, So we decided to stay here. We had talked about potentially going to California. There was a period of time where I was trying to get him to go to New York because I was doing a ton of business up there. And we decided to stay here because how cost of living is affordable. Mm -hmm. Our family's here Mm -hmm. and we're really not, you're you're really in the modern age, like just an airplane away from wherever you want to go. So we are, when COVID is not a thing, we are active travelers. We are not afraid of going out and getting passport stamps and like <laughs> jetting off and going to some faraway land. We we love adventures. So now I usually do the speed round at the end, but since you brought it up and since you're a traveler, favorite place? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, I think I I think I've really liked probably Hong Kong the most. Oh, wow. Interesting. Only because I was expecting a city like New York and I didn't realize I didn't, I hadn't read up on it. I didn't really know a whole lot about Hong Kong before we went. Uh Um, It's actually quite beautiful. It's really, yeah. The way it's positioned um, against the South China Sea, spectacular Harbor. Um, It was actually cleaner than I was expecting. And then the, it has like this peak that is, oh, you're literally over the clouds when you get to the top. Mm-hmm. It's just stunning. And then, and then like the distinctiveness of the Kowloon side versus the Hong Kong side and how they like, it, it feels completely different. And then the food and the people and the markets. Ooh, wow. It, it was a blast. It was a real blast. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I was expecting you to say Paris, honestly. So well, awesome. I do love Paris. I've been yeah. to Paris multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I do. I mean, I do love it, but I know it's kind of cliche to love Paris. <laughs> I mean, who, who goes to Paris and doesn't love it? But yeah. I think Hong, yeah, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong was well, great. Fascinating. And, and, uh, and and a city that's up for some major change right now. So I imagine yeah. by the next, next time you get to go there, it'll be even a different feel. Not that the setting will change necessarily. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Well, the 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 pandemic. You know, we're we're yeah, as we're talking here, end of March. You know, hopefully we're on the wind down side of yeah. this thing, and we'll see what, how we reinvent the world after this. But I do think the handcuffs of 
place and work uh, have been snapped, so I don't think you'll have any problems remaining in uh, <laughs> remaining in the Midwest and continuing right. to do stuff all over the country. That's uh, so everyone caught up with you, basically, is what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's jump topics for a second because I I, I, I want to focus most of the conversation on on email. Though I love the side trips even more. Um, women of email. You're a co-founder. Yep. To uh, e- explain about the organization and what it's done and where you see it going next, if you don't mind. Yeah. So we we founded it um, because we saw that there were not that many women on conference stages. And we're mm-hmm. like, why? Um, only influencers several years ago had done some research and they showed that the split was about 50-50. It was like 49-51 men. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And so we're like, there are a lot of women in email jobs. Why aren't more of them on conference stages? And so um, actually over an email, interestingly enough, Jen Capstra emailed me, Laura Atkins, Kristen Bond, and said, hey, what are we going to do about this? Because Kristen had written an article for Only Influencers. Mm-hmm. And talk, I think it was titled something like, where are all the women email marketers? Mm-hmm. And so... Over an email, Jen's like, what do we want to do about this? And that's when we decided to form Women of Email. And since then, we've we've placed, I think at this point, probably hundreds of women at conferences. It's, it's hard to like go to a conference and not see more gender parity. And now we're Good. we're trying to Absolutely. focus more on also having more racial diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, we realized initially um that we weren't as intersectional as we needed to be. So we, we definitely have a lot of emphasis on um, making sure that other marginalized groups are also represented in the space. So um, where we see it going, we, we want to broaden to um, elevate, you know, not just women, but, but women that come from other marginalized groups as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, we've grown. We're we're about. I think we're over five thousand members at this point globally. Wow, that's terrific. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and you do the did you do the whole create a nonprofit? You know, you've got yeah. a board. Like the, like there's there's some organization. It's not just yeah. Uh, it's not just an email thread. Pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are we are a five hundred one c three. Excuse me. Cool. Five hundred one c three nonprofit. Yeah. Um, you know, that's us. Uh, so it doesn't really help us in other parts of the world, but yeah. maybe at some point we could get organized in other, other countries as well. We have members from all over the world. Um, we're actually on six continents. We have members from six continents, which is crazy. Nice. nice. Uh, so if you know anyone in Antarctica, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we could say all seven. <laughs> Email's probably vital in Antarctica. Think about it, right? <laughs> you don't want to go outside, right? You don't go outside. You, you, it's not like you got a net connection and you can sit and watch Netflix. Like you're probably communicating via that, that good old fashioned async uh, beast that we all know, know and love. <laughs> um, if you were, if you had a chance to talk to you know the young April Mullen and say, "There's there's a career track in email." What, what what would you say? I think I would have believed it because yeah. in college, remember, well, listservs are still a thing, but remember when listservs were like, like referred to by oh, name yeah. as listservs yeah. and yeah. it was like the thing to do, but like yeah. back in college, my, I was a part of a social organization that had a listserv 
And I was actually voted the biggest listserv geek of that <laughs> club. And so, like, I've always been fascinated by email. Mm-hmm. So I I probably would have been surprised that I would go into email, mm-hmm. but I also wouldn't have been surprised if that makes sense. Like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I do love communicating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 the oldest oldest and in, in still in some ways one of the more stable um, digital uh, channels for for marketing community well for communication period but for marketing in particular. Uh, yeah. One of my constant theses about email, one of the reasons I I still in, really like the space is that it's not owned by somebody. Like yeah. there's not. There's not a there's not a Facebook or a Google parked at the front end saying all yeah. roads must go through us and you must pay a toll or you can't use this. It's it's an open yeah. you know it's a set of open standards and anybody can jump on board. I mean, Spark yeah. carved out their own carved out their own path through this thing without having to be beholden to another entity to do that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I call it the channel of the people for that reason. There you go. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I I, I, I was joking with someone the other day and I said, civil media. We've got enough social media. Email, you got, it's got to be a civil <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Or I'll just unsubscribe, right? Yeah. I stay in control of who I hear from. And that's that's still true, even at the scale you guys are sending yeah. <laughs> email for your customers. Like It's still got to be a meaningful message or... Snip Absolutely. away it goes. Yeah. Exactly. Um and you mentioned listservs. I mean, let's talk about what's happening now with email. Like uh Twitter acquired what was the name of the company started? Review. With Review, thank you. Yeah. So the email newsletter, old fashioned as that sounds, yeah, is having a day in the sun. What do you think? I'm excited about it. I, I think it's it's super fascinating and it shows just like how important email is and how it will have longevity. I believe it will. For one of the reasons was what you just said about it's not owned by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but for two, it feels like there is a situation happening. So so Twitter bot review, Facebook supposedly developing some kind of newsletter tool, or maybe they've launched it. I don't know, but I I heard, I heard a couple months ago that they were developing something to meet Twitter's review. Um, and then Morning Brew, a is basically just a newsletter mm-hmm. um, sold for 75 million in Q4 last year. So it feels like there is a an intersection of people wanting ca- content from sources that they trust. So if you look at like a lot of journalists have gone independent. And they are selling access to their daily Substack, yep. where they're just sending out like communications as they write things. You've got all this stuff happening with Twitter, with Facebook, with newsletter companies being bought up for crazy amounts of money for just being a newsletter. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it feels like there is the intersection of people that want content that is curated by sources that they trust. So um, I think the algorithms of Facebook, of Twitter, of, you know, that those algorithms are, I think people are starting to be skeptical of them mm-hmm. and they, they want just pure human to human content that feels organic. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have that combined with the fact that, um, 
the world I feel like is moving toward kind of a publisher model. So I like to tell marketers, like you need to think of yourself as being a publishing model, even if you're not, um, you know, speaking on the business side, um, even if you're not, um, you know, a publishing company, you have to think of yourself as a publisher and, Mm -hmm. and organizing your content and newsletters often the way that you, you drive that. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited. And and when you think about how um, you know, there's a lot of mistrust in the media and news, it's becoming even more important for consumers to have information provided by sources that they trust. And email seems to be the right vehicle to deliver that. And the cool thing about email, because you could say, well, why aren't they, why can't they just use social media to deliver this news? Well, you look at some parts of the world, like I think I think Facebook in Australia, you can't even get news on Facebook. But for two, again, the algorithm's there. Mm-hmm. But also, um, people want to be able, like if you if you see something on your news feed in Facebook or you see something on your Twitter feed, if if you see it, but you don't have time to engage with it and you want to come back to it later, it's really hard to do on social media. It's hard to like go back and find it. Yeah, like how many yeah, times have point. you yeah. scrolled through something and been like, dang it, where did I see yeah, that? Yeah, where did and I see that? That's a good point. Yeah. And you can't find it yeah. versus I feel like the mailbox providers like Gmail and Yahoo have done a fantastic job of making it. So, well, I would say especially Gmail mm-hmm. of like organizing your emails and making it easy for you to come back to. At bare minimum, you just come back to your inbox and you scan it until you find it. But you can also organize and folder. And folder, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so it gives you the opportunity to like get it, see it, triage it, come back to it. It's kind of like on your time in your way. Mm -hmm. Versus other channels, it's very like disruptive in the moment. Uh, You got to act on it now. And if you don't, you'll use it or lose it kind of attitude. Um, Good point. And I think that's part of the reason why email is having such a day and in particular newsletters. Yeah. Let's, let's riff on the, on the newsletter thing for a minute. Cause I, I, I agree with you. And I actually think, I think it's an, what's the word I'm looking for. It's an intersection of, of, of more than a few important things. And it's popping up in this, you know, humble looking channel called newsletter. You, you mentioned you mentioned Substack, and and for for people listening who aren't familiar with Substack, Sub, Substack is essentially a, uh, a a infrastructure for a writer to go into business for themselves via email, right? Um, the the most famous recent case: a journalist from I believe Vox got up and left, and. Vox is waving goodbye to one of their star reporters and he says, look, I write enough and I write well enough and I have enough people who follow me to say, I'm going to go hang out my shingle as me and people can subscribe directly to hear from me. And he's actually, he's doing just fine as, as a solo. (laughs) And Substack is kind of the whole infrastructure for him. He doesn't have the technical headaches of setting all that, all of that up, like kind of fair description of this, yeah, a newsletter engine thing. I mean, fa- Twitter bought a version of a business like that, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. we get that. We get the long form. Um, you can you know, take the time to think. People can come back to it later without someone else moderating content in their face. As you me- as you mentioned, cr- critical point. Um, it also seems like it also seems like an end run for what we used to call journalism. 
to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. It's a big shift. That's a very yeah. big shift. It's definitely a big shift. And I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to continue to keep an eye on this because I think it really is a, it's a big moment for email yeah. because yeah. of all of these changes happening. There's, there's a not minor primary. I think this was an OI only influencers discussion. And for listeners who aren't familiar with only influencers, quick plug only influencers.com. April and I are both on that uh, list. It's a, it's a, it's a, another terrific community kind of at the heart of email. Um, Someone posed a question about paywalling content mm-hmm. on on OI, and someone else responded that the fascinating thing about an email newsletter is it sort of combines the paywall and the delivery. Oh, you, April, are on my paid subscribers list. Bam, you get your delivery. You don't have to go sign in. You That's don't have to remember point. to go do it. You've already said, I want it. You might have already said, Substack, I'll pay for it. You'll get it. I start my morning almost every morning reading Ben Thompson's Stratechery, which is a paid newsletter. He's been at it for a number of years, had to build the infrastructure himself initially, but I shell out money to to hear what Ben Thompson has to say just about every day, happily, because he's really smart. <laughs> and he writes he writes great stuff and it falls in my areas of interest. And I don't have to sign in and all that other stuff. It just shows up in the inbox. I can go back to them later, as you said. Like, yeah. It's uh, the 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 virtues of email that made it look old fashioned um, have 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 become uh, distinctive values again. Yeah, in a noisy world. Definitely, yeah. definitely, and and again, shout out to the mailbox providers that have made managing email easier. I think yeah. that has really helped with all of this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Back in the, uh, oh my gosh, my Outlook, you know, Outlook PST is going to explode. <laughs> You'd never do that. It's got to be easier. And we, everyone's stack of saved emails is completely distinctive. Yep. Fascinating, right? And It definitely and is. We've also gotten rid of the storage problem. Which is a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and the inbox providers and, and, and you know, Gmail, Office 365. It's like you, you don't sit there worrying about, oh, do I have enough space for my email anymore? You're just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just pay a buck 99 a month to Gmail. And yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, if I'm spending more, if I have more emails in my inbox than the dollar 99 will cover, <laughs> I have more problems yeah, than storage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. So look forward a bit, prognosticate a bit. And, and I do want to touch on your notion that, 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 that every company or every marketer is a publisher. Cause I think, I think that relates to this. Where's, where's, where's marketing and particularly email as a marketing channel going from here? What's the, you know, what's the cutting edge going to be? What's, what's. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know how I feel about AMP mm-hmm. and it may not necessarily be AMP as the technology, but I do, I am really passionate about this idea that email being the preloaded app on your phone, Mm -hmm. everyone already has it on their phone. They just enter some credentials and everything kind of floats in. I'm really passionate about this notion of emails becoming more app-like themselves Mm -hmm. in the conversion, being able to take place right within the email itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so I hope I hope we solve that as an industry. And again, yeah. it doesn't have to be AMP. Um, I actually um, have a friend in Europe who's developing a product right now that will actually have a lot of the capabilities of AMP, 
but is not AMP. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I try to like keep a pulse on what's going on um, there. So I think marketing is going to have this big shift where the, um, you know, if you think about like the way that digital works, it's a lot of like channels driving to the website or an app to be the home base. And like, like, like people are like, oh, well, what are your email conversions like? Well, email conversions don't actually happen. Uh, the right. conversions happen on the website. The yeah. referral source is email. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a world where just like has happened with payments and shopping, hmm. I I see a future where in-channel conversion is going to be a lot more prominent. And I think email could be um, a strong place for that. We're already seeing it in social feeds where you can buy right from your social feed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that will come to email at some point. I just hope it's a technology that like can be widely supported. Yeah. I also hope that it leads to some email standardization. <laughs> so like not having all these different disparate code bases and yep. finicky rendering and all of that. So yeah, yep. um, yeah. So I think we're more than overdue for that. Yeah. So I think the, I think the, we will move from having this mindset of selling clicks in channels as marketers to optimizing within the channel. But our challenge is going to be, you know, we used to say, you know, just get, get, give enough of a, of a teaser or content or imagery to get them to click through and then let the landing page do the work. Mm -hmm. I think our big challenge is going to be, how do we get, how do we get, them to do the work right how does the the channel in front of them do the work with minimal words and copy mm-hmm. and i think that's where things like interactivity like things that that you've been really good at um you know making sure that that interactivity is there but is still it's not too much but it's enough i think that's going to be yeah. our our challenge that's going to be the dance we're going to have to to do i yeah, I, I, I agreed, 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 agreed. It's like there's there's such an exciting uh, opportunity there. The the thing I find myself, and this is like separate from the particular things that uh, that we're doing at Campaign Genius. I hope that we can take that forward, uh, expand the possible in email, but do it on a standards basis. Yes. So that we 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 raise all all of the boats, including the big ones stuck in the Suez Canal. There you go. Had to work. <laughs> <laughs> so timely. <laughs> they just got it free, by the way. Well, well, it was like it was free. Then it got stuck again, Did it and really? then it, and then and then I think it's free again. <laughs> yeah, the winds like pushed it back on the bank after they freed it. Oh, but anyway, no. oh yeah, the winds have got to be horrible there. Uh, Abraham Lincoln had a patent. I'm not making this up. Abraham Lincoln had a patent on what was essentially called a camel on a rig to uh, put floaters on the outside of a boat to raise it up when the water was shallow. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, why are they not putting camels on this thing and, and basically making it float more? And yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of high paid talent working on it. And I'm just convincing from <laughs> the side. But now back to back to the standards thing. Yeah. Um Email, and we talked about this, and we had an opportunity to talk about this, uh, gosh, almost a year ago. Um, that we've got, you've got some motion forward with with much much richer interactivity, but specifically only in some of the inbox providers. So the thing I'm hoping we can um, get back to working on and agreeing on is how to do that like across the board. Email, we're yeah. fine. 
20-year-old HTML. Um, if we update it, let's update it universally. Yes. Um, get support from, like, from everybody. And here's a critical thing. In that mix, not lose the not lose the the civil, not lose the privacy and I'm in control yes. side of it. I do not want my inbox spying on me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's gonna take that's gonna take work. It from it'll take it'll take work from how do I put this? One of the one of the not visible things you're paying a really good vendor for is to get people to participate in things like standards committees, to participate in things like women for email so that, you know, the industry broadly gets better, gets richer, gets smarter, improves. It's like, that's part of the cost of running the thing is we is to continue to move that capability set up and forward. Not just, not just deliver that one message, but think about what the messages need to look like in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm hoping in 10 years they're going to the the experience will be very different. We shall see. We should yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, it's like and and it's interesting that newsletter we're talking about the newsletters like that's just writing, right? It's ASCII text. There's nothing yeah. about that that we couldn't have have done in sure. delivery 20 years ago. Yeah. But now the forces and factors that are to make that valuable in a in a new and different way. Yeah. Would I would I pay for a you know would I pay for a visual every day? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Would I pay for a video every day. Well, right now email can't play video, so I won't do that yet. I yeah. think through to a website. Wow. Okay, rest of the speed round. I know the answer to the first one. I asked people dogs, cats, both or neither, and you're gonna say dogs, am I right? Yes, yeah. I have two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you were involved with a nonprofit uh that helps dogs, if I recall right. From your LinkedIn. I've been involved with several. Yeah, I was yeah. on the board of a group that advocated for mixed breed shelter dogs. Um, I've volunteered at a couple no kill shelters in the area. Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm. I send them money. Like, yeah. yes, I. Yay for dogs! I love hey. the dogs. I love cats too, but I'm just my mom's allergic. So okay, is that your guitar <laughs> hanging on the wall? It is my guitar, but I do not play. I'm not a musician. I am a music appreciator. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we can. We, next time we're at a live conference, we should uh, we should have a chance to go listen at least listen to some live music. I I heard karaoke is a thing in the in the email conferences. Is that true? Um, I don't know that I have seen that. Okay. But I'm not surprised. Dangerous so. Pieces. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. And with a couple cocktails, I might be convinced to, to try to <laughs> I don't go. know that people would be entertained in a good way though. <laughs> we already hit we already hit favorite place, Hong Kong. I'm gonna you, you definitely raise that one up on my list with your rave review of that. Uh favorite book or author? Oh gosh. Right now I I really am uh I'm into very practical knowledge of of marketing. Um, so I really am loving the book right now. Obviously awesome by April Dunford, where she talks about product positioning. Um, she's just fabulous in the way that she positions it, obviously being a product positioning expert Mm -hmm. is, is just so great and very, she's very, um, she teaches you how to be very user focused. So nice. Nice. Yeah, because it is. It's harder and harder to get in the head, isn't it? As a marketer, it's it's harder to get through the noise and 
you know, find yeah. the, you know, find the in- engagement that turns into a conversation in a relationship. Absolutely. Especially at the kind of big scale that you're playing at. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. But, but, but personal, uh, not, not, uh, professional. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, uh, autobiography audiobooks read by the writer. Oh, so I, I just, I can't pick a favorite. Um, I'm constantly, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just constantly listen to, um, autobiographies that are recorded in I've like read both of the Obamas and, um, you know, Lots and lots and lots of uh, authors that have written their own biopics and are reading it. It's just, it's just lovely. Like hearing them tell their story, but I like listening to those. There's a, there's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down, but what you just touched on, like the, you know, the, the, the value of the voice um, right as clubhouse is sort of exploded and people, Uh. People yeah. are clamoring to get in and, you know, l- listen to someone talk fundamentally. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I actually really like Clubhouse, but I, I see that uh, Facebook's version of that, I forgot what they it. call it. It's actually, I, I actually like, th- or the Twitter version, not Facebook. Twitter version. The Twitter version I like because it's, um, everyone can access it. Not everyone can access Clubhouse. You right, have to be, right. it's like iPhone only right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and invite, I think it's invite only, at least at this stage. It's in time. invite only. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I had the same, same eye roll for me. Like, oh, come on. Right. Uh, right. We did, a, we did a Clubhouse panel for OI on something and, uh, and someone, someone wangled and it had an extra invite threw it my way. But literally the thing is sat gathering dust on my phone since then. Um, yeah. So the fact that Twitter's headed there so quickly, which wonderful, nice to see something new out of them. Um, yeah. Tweet's been around for a few years. Is there a, is there a, is there a voice publishing uh, play for marketers? For sure. Um, we're actually seeing a lot of podcasts yeah. really taking off. Yeah. Um, there are actually a lot of email. I mean, this is obviously an email podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there is a place for people because I actually at SparkPost, we did a couple of like video series, mm-hmm. but we didn't enable them as podcasts. And I have people reaching out to me. So we plan to eventually like turn this all into a podcast, a podcast. Okay. Um, because people want to be able to like do other things like work out on the treadmill or, you know, wipe in their kitchen counters. Like that's my favorite thing to do when I'm like cleaning up my kitchen is like listening to a podcast. And so I think the portability of, of podcasting and listening, Mm -hmm. something that people really like, especially when we're staring at screens all day, it's nice to like, listen, just listen and to be able to multitask Mm -hmm. while listening. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually listen to podcasts also when I'm gardening and working out in my yard. I love doing yard work. I'm a weirdo. I don't want to pay somebody to do it. My husband's like, we should just pay people. I'm like, no, I like to be outside. This is my, my outside time. So that's my podcast time. (laughs) Interesting. Well, we've got the, you know, as you said, portability. Uh, So the delivery part of it is pretty easy and, you know, uh, earbuds and Bluetooth, you know, ubiquitous. So that, that part is pretty easy getting getting the signal in there, but the 
the luxury of a longer engagement, right? Actually listening to Barack Obama reading his book for my wife was listening to that, and I, and I, you, you know, that distinctive voice. It's like, my yeah, jerk around. It's like, oh, that's Obama talking. <laughs> and then yeah. to hear hear him curse, like, oh my goodness, like he's cursing. <laughs> he, you know, like it's just so authentic. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. And that that you hit the key word right there. Yeah, the authenticity. Of that, and that may be why you you specifically singled in on on autobiographies and authors reading their own work, didn't you? Yeah, because uh, sort of the authenticity of I wrote this and I'm reading it. Yeah, goes way up. It's not faked. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. And we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a an a audio newsletter kind of format for the same reason we were talking about the email yeah. newsletter take off. You know, would I would I listen to Ben Thompson, you know, rant on something yeah. for 20 minutes in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I would. Absolutely. And I think you, when you think about accessibility, like some people want to have, need to have things read to them and like this would open up other avenues of ways people could <clears throat> experience your emails. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think that could be exciting. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the speaker brings more to it than what's in the text, right? Yes, the emotion. It's a, the, uh, yeah, emotion, emphasis, meaning, structure, all that, all all of that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a whole nother, whole whole set of set of set of layers on top of that. Well, we should probably wrap since I got to tie you up for almost half an hour more than, than <laughs> for April. It's been a delight to speak with you. If you were, if you had someone who's like email is kind of interesting, maybe I should. Where would you tell them to start? Oh gosh! If they think email's kind of interesting, where would they start? Um, hmm. Actually, I'd probably say email geeks. I feel like there's something for everyone in there. Yeah, because it's like it's segmented by like the types of things. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a way to like you can go you can go into depth, but you can also kind of dip your toe. And learn. Um, and there's also yeah, and there's also a ton of um, like different courses and things out there that are really interesting. You know, at SparkPost, we have Send It School. So, you know, there you but, go. yeah, there's there's a lot of information out there. So, well, cool. Once again, my uh, my guest this morning was April Muller, director of brand, yay, and content marketing at SparkPost. April, it was it was delightful to connect with you again and and have a nice far ranging conversation, as I expected. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Dunn. It was great to to chat with you and, and nerd out on things email and beyond. <laughs> email and beyond. Thanks, April. We're out. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the future of email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash future of email. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing 
Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash future of email, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.